right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pivot Podcast. We do have a special guest with us. Unfortunately, my girl Tracy, she couldn't be here, but we got somebody that is definitely less important as Tracy, but it's a good fill-in at least. So we have my boy Matt DeLong to come in. Yeah, Matt DeLong. What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. There is nobody better to talk about fundamentals than Matt DeLong. And a very special reason why we wanted to talk to Matt DeLong today is because he has a very unique system as far as what stocks to look at, what is in his uh, certain portfolio, and what qualifies for him as a good investment, good stock. And uh, he has different, uh, we've talked about ways that he trades in and out of those stocks. But Matt, um, how many, what, what is, I guess, a criteria that you need to be able to to say this is a stock I want to add into my into my watch list of stocks. Sure. So, I typically think of stocks in two different buckets. I think of a high growth stock. So when I say growth, I don't necessarily mean the stock price. I mean the revenue growth. So I like companies that are growing their revenues a certain like thirty percent or more a quarter. So that would be considered like high growth. And the significance of thirty percent or more is if. So the question is, how how many years would it take to double if you're growing 30% or more? Like compounding is actually two and a half years. So if you think of a company like Shopify, if they're growing their revenues at least 30% a year, it's going to be two and a half years before they they double, right? And it's not just a straight calculator uh, equation because you're just compounding each year, right? So two and a half years. So that's one of the things I like to look at. And beyond that, there's a lot, whole bunch of other criteria I like to look at. And I use a tool called Simply Wall Street. So it's simplywall.st. And it builds this snowflake, which is different things that it looks at for growth and uh, history and dividends and different uh, inputs. So for those of you who are CPAs who nerd out and all the reading through all the financial reports, you can still do that. However, this will like super simplify it for everyone else who doesn't enjoy looking through pages and pages of numbers. Right. So simplywall.st. Simply so you, you go to the website, You is there a search criteria that you could filter through easily or are you just right. picking stocks that you're just kind of interested in and then looking deeper into it? So yeah, you can actually, there's a, a what it does is it builds what's called a six, a one to six scale on five different things that it looks for. And you can say, hey, I want to find companies like you can look at something like Shopify that we, of course, all love Shopify, right? <laughs> and so you can say, I want to find other companies similar to Shopify. And then you can, it'll literally, uh, it'll literally do like a search and look through the, their little engine and it'll de- determine how many results there are and it'll show you what are those companies that are similar to Shopify. And I, when I say similar to Shopify, I don't mean in the same industry, right? So it's not like Shopify and Big Commerce. Obviously, they're two different companies in the same space, but it'll look at, okay, companies that are growing like Shopify, companies that have the financial health like Shopify, companies that have like, well, and Shopify's name have zero dividends. So it goes through its criteria and finds companies that are fundamentally similar to Shopify, not always necessarily in the same industry. Gotcha. And I, I can imagine that there's a decent search result that comes back. And are you watching them all at once? Do you have a, a certain number of lists of stocks that you like to focus on for that? So I, I kind of have my 15 watch list that I like to look at all the time. And it makes it easy because I only update that every once in a blue moon. So I'll, I originally had 
um, a company that Teladoc acquired. So it rolled up my the old company rolled off, and I put Teladoc on, and it met all the same criteria. So usually. Uh, once every three to four months, I might swap, take one off, put one on. And the idea is that I have a, a like a built-in watch list. I don't have to go rebuild the watch list every single day, right? So a lot of these companies, when they report their earnings every quarter, I'll know whether or not they still meet my criteria once every quarter. So because it's kind of a slower, um, slower updates with their revenue and their earnings calls, because those only come through once a quarter, then my my list of criteria doesn't really change on a daily basis. It only changes like once a quarter, right? And so companies that used to be growing high growth, high revenue growth aren't necessarily, five years ago, aren't necessarily high growth revenue companies today. Right. So they they kind of cycle on and off the watch list. So that's that's kind of how I, how right. I look at it. Are you, what once you get into a trade with these type of stocks that you particularly look for, um, and, and again, most of your stocks is in the tech industry. It that, is. That's correct. Unfortunately, it's, it's a special so, place in my heart. So, some, I guess somebody had some tech industry experience or something. Somebody. I don't know. I don't know. Why, why trade what you know? That doesn't make sense to me. But, <laughs> but uh, so, so you're heavily related to the, to the tech stocks. Is it longer term holds for you with these, with these stocks? Is that you're looking at the fundamentals and saying, I can see myself 10 years from now still owning this stock? Or is it more quarter to quarter when those when those earnings start coming out? Yeah, as long as it still meets my criteria, whatever that is. And so, just an example: um, if you look at a company and you look at you, you look at a company like Shopify, you look through the company using a tool like Simply Wall Street, uh, it's going to give you like a one to six scale for financial health. So things, if you think about a company. Uh, and of course, this is a little different if you're day trading in and out. You don't really care about any of this. Doesn't necessarily affect, you know, the financial of a com- the financial health of a company doesn't necessarily reflect what's going to happen in a day trade, a quick in and out type trade. But if a company has a really bad earnings or really good earnings, of course, that'll affect the movement of the stock on, on day trades. But what I like to do is I like to have a lot of the same companies in my swing trade account and my long term. So on long term accounts, I might use I might pyramid on the way down and collar on the way up. So for those of you who are brand new, you're like, what are those terms? What is pyramids and what are collars? So the idea if you think of, of buying little pieces of shares as a stock goes lower. So if you think about maybe buying four different like tranches, four different pieces of a stock. 10 shares at one level, 20 shares at a lower level, then 30, then 40 at the lowest level. And so what you're doing is you're getting little pieces and your co- your average cost basis is improving as the stock is going lower. So during the tech sell-off that's happened here often on the past uh, two, three months, or I guess probably two months, uh, I'm legging in, I'm getting in little quickly, or I'm slowly tippy-toeing into these different levels as the price is going lower. And then I won't explain a collar, but it's basically a way to lock in your gains without actually selling the shares. Let me say it again, lock in gains without actually selling shares. So some of the things that I set up collars on, I've had for quite a while. And so I want to hold those uh, over over a period of time. This sounds like to me, correct me if I'm wrong. You're saying I'm looking for what you like, number one. Number two, you're looking at the health of the company that would qualify them for like, hey, this is my list of 15, 20 stocks that I want to watch. And then you're taking your your swing trade plan and basing it specifically around those companies that you like? 
That's, that's, that's pretty much it. That's it. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a lightning bolt here. This is, this is amazing. All right. It's not hard. All right. I think I got the strategy down. Yeah. So, so uh, out of the 15, can you, can you let us in on some of those companies or is this the, the, yeah. back, the long secret? So, <laughs> so I can share a few. Okay. So uh, one of the companies I really like is Roku. Uh, one of the companies I like is Pinterest, CrowdStrike, Mongo Database. Those are some examples. Uh, I some of you guys may know that I have a time capsule where I bought uh, twenty thousand dollars of five different stocks at the end of December or mid December last year in twenty twenty, and the project the slash experiment is to hold the whole thing for five years, do nothing, and see what happens in five years. So, uh, December twenty twenty five, we're going to unlock that, and we'll I can see every day, but I can we'll see where where the the positions are. And so when I first set it up, I think it was like six or eight weeks into it, the whole entire test account was up 37% in like six or eight weeks. And I literally said, I totally expect all of this to go red, the whole thing, even though it's up 30. So it was a hundred thousand dollar test and it was up $37,000, 37% in just six, eight weeks. And I said, I expect the whole thing to go red at least once during the five-year period and it you know about two three weeks later the whole thing went red you got the red out of the way then right i got it out of the way and it's straight straight green slowly climbing back up until certain uh, tax announcements (laughs) kind of hit today yeah uh april 22nd so it is what it is but uh yeah so that's the idea and so as long as the companies meet my criteria there are some little exceptions to the rule something like tesla might not meet all my requirements and there's some little like give and take that i i do with tesla because uh, some of the sales were down because of covid and other other like extraneous uh, circumstances that aren't a normal everyday type occurrence it was just a special circumstance with, with stocks uh in the tech industry as, as much it's very tech industry stocks are very different than the normal companies, the, the Coca Colas and, and things like that. Right. You're getting based, on, you're getting your revenues, your your PE ratios are just through the roof on some of the tech companies. Yep. How do you how do you bring it back to earth and say, you know what, that's gone too far already. Maybe now is not the time to get in. When when do you know like this company's not overvalued? And this is this is where I can get in. What are you basing that on? So for fast growing companies, for the revenue is growing, not the that not the stock price, but the revenue. As long as the revenue is growing, I don't even look at the PE. That's the short answer. But I do look at the PS ratio, which is what most growth companies are used. So ideally, you want something less than 10, 20. Uh, that's on the high side. There's plenty of companies like Shopify right now is around 48. So you want 20 or less. So obviously you would already be in those companies or if you just wanted totally off technicals, you can set up some orders uh, for like the 100 simple moving average, set up an order there, set up an order at the 200, fill in the blanks, put in two orders kind of spaced out evenly in between those two lines. And that's, that's kind of the, the this essence of what I do. So I pyramid on the way down and then lock in profits on the way up using options. And so we, it's just a collar strategy. But I think of stocks in two different buckets. We were talking about this earlier. So I think of it in terms of fast-growing companies, companies that are growing quickly. They're growing their revenue quickly. And I'm I'm trying to make sure you guys understand we're not talking about the stock price growing quickly. There's lots of stock prices that grow quickly who have zero revenue. 
Right, so why are they even public? I don't even know. But another another discussion. <laughs> they but, snuck on, yeah. Yeah, they snuck in, back door in. So companies that are growing their revenue quickly is like one bucket of stocks. And they're usually not profitable and they're usually not paying dividends. There are always some exceptions to the rule. So some examples of that would be a company like Shopify, right? They're growing quickly. They're not um, they're not profitable or not really profitable. Uh, companies like CrowdStrike, they're growing their revenue quickly, not profitable. Uh, a company like Pinterest, growing their revenues quickly, not profitable. And again, none of those three pay a dividend. Now, there's an exception to the rule would be something like NVIDIA. NVIDIA is growing quickly and does pay a small dividend. And that's like the exception to the rule. But typically, I look and I, I try to assign stocks in one of two buckets. Growing quickly, which we just talked about, Pinterest, CrowdStrike, right, Shopify, those are growing quickly. And then the other bucket is slower grow, growth companies that their their revenues are maybe uh, declining and or just growing really slowly. So just a few percent a year. So companies like that would be like the Warren Buffett type companies where they're paying dividends, they're cash flow positive. And so you think about those types of companies and those are typically companies like, um, like American Express, right? They're companies like Wells Fargo. They're companies like Bank of America. Those are like the Warren Buffett type companies, a slow growth, very cash flow positive. So they're generating lots of cash. And that's the second bucket is the slow growth, very profitable companies compared to the high growth, not profitable. And as a former CEO of a software as a service company, we competed against Shopify. It was called Core Commerce. Uh, still around to this day. Uh, I don't really work with the guys anymore. Um, I sold it back in 2016. And so what um, what most of these companies do is for something like Shopify is they'll take all their profits. So imagine being profitable and then stepping on the gas when it comes to sales and marketing, right? So they're doing like a land and expand strategy where they're trying to get super aggressive with their sales and marketing. And so on a financial statement that would reflect that they're losing money. But we did the same thing every quarter. We're like, okay, we made X number of dollars. We're gonna throw every penny of that back into the sales and marketing, right? Right before the, the quarter closes, we're gonna throw that back into sales and marketing. And so on paper, we weren't profitable, but that was because that's what we chose to do with our profits. Whereas a company like a slower growth company, they're, I always think they're kind of waving their white flag where they're saying, we don't have any future growth prospects. There's no companies out there we want to acquire. There's no companies we want to buy and purchase and bring into the fold. So therefore we're gonna rebate that money back to our shareholders. And that is what you guys all know as a dividend. Right. So I gotta say, I, I like the approach. I'm a dividend guy. I like dividends, but uh, I do think that it's two different trading styles. So obviously, I, I have a long term, which I do go very Warren Buffett-ish, is, is you would put it, <laughs> um, not making five million dollars a week on the Coca-Cola dividends yet. But I'm for close. me, you close, very close, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> two or three dollars short. So, but what I am very interested in in, in my approach to a long term account. Very simple strategy. One, do I like the company and do I think they're going to be around in 10 years? Right? So when I think long term, I'm just I'm just buying. And then I'm looking for what is the dividend and I'm putting the drip on. So this way, with the drip, it's buying back more shares. It's going to grow the account, right. snowball it over time. 
and you don't see a lot of action for the first 10 years. You're like, it's slow growing, but then after 10 years, because of the, the drip and buying more and more shares, you, you've built up that, that size account. So that's that's one style, and with the long term, it is about about 65, 35, where it's 65% more dividends, and then about 35% more on the uh, the speculative for me, speculative or into some kind of the the tech field in that range to just try to balance out the portfolio. But then I do have other portfolios which I'll go strictly a little bit more and you, you probably influenced a little of this type of I may have had to say you, you might have had to say i just you, you're a good debater so what am i going to do <laughs> so I, I i do have that where i'll put like the shopify's the roku's the tesla's the this uh, i did add some snapchat to that one as well but just just as just as a way to have separate portfolios so you don't have to have everything all into one like this is my trading style but I, I do see for the long term, it's less maintenance. You don't have to worry about the, uh, I'm buying this amount consistently every single month and what the earnings report is. The only thing, the only reason I would sell that company is if fundamentally something like if I buy a good year and they stop making tires and get into to coffee makers, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm probably going to say, you know, that didn't fit my normal criteria. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm out. But uh, for coffee makers, <laughs> roll roll a coffee maker right up to you. So <laughs> if if something fundamentally changes like that, then I'm I'm looking to just re reorganize that position. But if I'm buying it, I don't care if it goes up down. Honestly, because right. it's gonna buy. If it goes down, I have a full ten years. Especially if you're just starting, you still have time where you can just add, reduce, add, reduce. It buys shares with the dividends at lower pricing. And you build up your account, so it's a very different style from from what you have. Yeah. But that's my my long term. But I'm not really swing trading those type stocks. That's that's more for the for the retirement other retirement long term accounts. For right? the exactly right right exactly. So one of the things I try to think about when it comes to these two buckets of stock is my I was first introduced to dividend stocks by my father. This is 10, 15 years ago, and uh, he would he would show me. He's like Matt, this stock will pay you to own it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I watched these stocks that he got a $2 a year dividend on. I watched them tank $12. And like, so like mathematically, you're like upside down on like the overall. And he's like, no, I don't care about the $12. I just want the $2. I'm like, like something's not adding up here. And so that's why I always had this, uh, like if it, if it pays a dividend, it's probably not on my list. There are, again, NVIDIA is one exception to that rule. And so that's just always how I think about it. So if you think of companies like, Let's go through a couple of examples. Let's think about companies that are the fast growing or the slow and steady. So a company like um, Southwest Airlines, which bucket would that be in? Southwest Dividend. Would be the slower growing, right? The slower growing company that's very profitable. Now, what about- If they still have dividends. They might have took that off the list too, right? What about a company like Sears? Option A or option B? That would be a slower, slower out of business. It actually be C. See none of the above. That's a real estate deal. Is what that is. If you get into Sears, you're in for the real yeah. estate. That's a yeah. S H L D Q. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. so so yeah, I, I think there is. Um, and, and when you're investing, I, I think looking at the fundamentals, look, knowing which kind of uh, industry you're looking to invest in, because again, the PE ratio could make sense in certain types of scenarios. Um, do you want the dividends? If if you're saying, hey, I have five thousand dollars right now. I want to put it into something and let it grow. Maybe dividends is probably not the best option for you because the real only way to buy that is 
when it, as it dips, you you keep doing some kind of add reduce, have those dividends work, and know that you're not going to touch those those stocks for a long time. Right. If you're saying I want to get, even if you go one thousand here, two thousand here, three thousand here, four thousand at this level, but you're you're at that level, you're trying to just play more of the stock, the the potential growth of the stock. Uh, you could be maybe in it for a shorter amount of time. You're not locking it up for ten years, not necessarily, but. It, it just have a certain plan going into anything like we've been saying forever on the pivot podcast i think episode one might have been have a plan for trading so as long as you have your certain style the certain area and you could have multiple portfolios m- multiple type accounts but understand the different fundamentals of, of why you get into it is there any other fundamentals since we're talking about fundamentals any other fundamentals that that you specifically look for or um even outside of the the tech arena is there anything that you find interesting or important for, right. for other investors. So one of the like, things I like to look at is gross margins. It's kind of a little bit of a, a nerdy type thing to look at. So if uh, you think of a nerd company, out. <laughs> so if you think of a company that sells a $100 thing, how much did it cost to make the $100 widget, right? How much how much was the cost and what was the profit? So I typically like companies that have at least 40% or more. If you're talking about a company like Shopify, you're in the 60s. If you're talking about like a pure play CR, uh, um, a pure play software as a service company, like CRM, like Salesforce, you're probably in the, in the, early, the low 90s. So the idea of a $100 thing and it costing eight dollars to produce then that means there's 92 dollars a profit right that's the idea so that's kind of like a, a crm a salesforce if you're like a middle like a middleman type thing like a kroger where you do have of course some white label things but you sell a hundred dollars worth of merchandise then there's really about eighty dollars of cost and twenty dollars of gross margin available and so if you think about those two things high margins and high growth that's like a double whammy of awesomeness i think and so if you were to compare dan and my portfolios 10 years down the road i i won't have to say which one would probably be farther along we don't know we don't really future hold but the companies that are growing quickly that have high margins so that's another thing that i look at is is the margin so a company like if you compare like industry companies, like something like Ford versus Tesla, you're probably going to have like Tesla's probably a high 20s um, gross margin, whereas Ford is probably half that, probably 13, 14% gross margin, which again means if you sell a, a vehicle, just an example, a $100 item, if it's 13% gross margins, that means $87 costs, which means $100 item costs $87 to produce. And we're not talking about total like expenses. We're just talking about like the cost of goods. So like the rubber, the material, the leather, the engine, the all the components that actually make that vehicle. You're talking about like 13 ish percent out of 100 percent, whereas Tesla is about double that. And so, of course, there's sales and marketing, other things that aren't even counted into that typically. But that's that's one of the other things I look at is uh, is is the gross margins. So. All right. Cool. So. Uh, again, and obviously in ten years, I mean we'll have to rewatch. We'll do this another episode. podcast. We'll, we'll have to time capsule <laughs> this entire podcast. I'm yeah. sure. But all right, so so absolutely, and, and I, I love the strategy that you have. I love the fact that you're able to to uh, take again. I, I think peddling the entire thing down to a basic, very simple format. You like an industry, you buy what you know, or, or type of industries. You buy what you know, and then you could develop a strategy around it as far as either just buy hold or take out some kind of take out some kind of uh strategies 
I, I know you do a lot of collars around things. Um, do you add reduced to positions at all, or is it mainly this is how much I'm investing and you're not doing a time-based investment strategy off of something like that? Uh, so I do on rare occasions. Yeah. I will um, take some off. Yeah. Right. For, I know for the for the way I do it, it's it's strictly time. So it's the same same budget every month. So it's, I'm not saying this is the total amount that I want to invest in this company. But if the company's at all-time highs for me, I'm waiting for the dips. I'm not buying. I'm not buying Coca-Cola at all-time highs. If it comes down, great. If it keeps going up, I'll just continue to hold and, and invest. So, but yeah. all right, very cool. Well, I think that's just about all the time we have. Uh, normally, we have the the chat pane set up on on our end where we can see your questions. Uh, we had to change things a little bit differently this week, just uh, because one. Uh, we're here. I had to go see Matt in person. I couldn't. I couldn't just do a strictly internet podcast. Um, and then to my girl Tracy, who I'm hoping is back next week, uh, we'll be rocking with you guys. So definitely catch the Pivot Podcast next week. Any last words, Matt? No, I think it's been an interesting conversation. Uh, if you if you guys just think about, it, there's two different kind of styles, two different things, two different buckets of of stocks. And so when you're looking at your watch list, just try to think of it in is it bucket A or bucket B or Sears would be like none of the above, right? Yeah. So like next, what's next? <laughs> and so yeah, that's the that's the thing. If you if you want to put like a visual image to both of these buckets, think of like the CEO of Shopify, Tobias Lutke. He is the fast growth, right? The high revenue growth company. If you think of the slower type company, slower growth that is very profitable, that would be more like a, a Warren Buffett, right? So if you just like visualize both of those buckets, both of those types of people, that would be uh, like the ideal. Um, way to think about it, option A, option B, or none of the above. And then, uh, so for those of you who are in finance, uh, if you think of companies like a venture capital company, that would be like the high growth type situation, right? Like bucket one. If you think of companies like private equity who are looking for cash flow for companies that are very profitable, that would be like the Warren Buffett, that would be the uh, slow growth, uh, high cash flow, um, usually paying a dividend. So, yeah. Awesome. I love it. Appreciate having you on. And next week, we've got some more You're awesome. installations for you guys. Ooh, Jeremy Newsom. Subscribe. Hit that like button. Mess with the YouTube algorithms. And make sure you get the notifications anytime Real Life Trading goes live with Pivot Podcasts or any of the other great content live. You guys will get the notification. And I will see all of you guys next week. Take it easy. See you guys. Have a great day.